Uh, I'm going to say no one's better than me. But <laughs> Welcome, Dolphins fans, to Monday, March 2nd edition of Locked On Dolphins. I am your host, Kyle Krabs, and I'm thrilled to get this thing kicked off because we got a lot to dig into, my friends. It was a very informative weekend to spend in Indianapolis. It was a very informative time to be glued to your television set watching the workouts. And this is always an exciting time of year because every year, maybe less this year, and and the speculation as to why was tied back to the negotiations regarding the collective bargaining agreement renewal that's, that's currently set to be voted on by the players. But you come out of the combine, and generally speaking, that's when the first sets of dominoes appear to begin to fall as far as what decisions from a personnel perspective you're going to see teams make. And you're seeing that this morning as Adam Schefter, uh, and even extending it to yesterday, has begun dropping little nuggets and tidbits. And there's two premier free agents that I want to talk about today. Before we talk about the results of the 2020 Combine and who some prospects are, who may have you know, helped themselves and, and are going to be in discussion for the Miami Dolphins. The first bit of news came out yesterday, courtesy of Adam Schefter, and it was that uh, the New York Jets are expected to be interested in Jack Conklin, the free agent right tackle from the Tennessee Titans. But he's not expected to sign there. This is what Schefter tweeted uh, yesterday. Titans offensive tackle Jack Conklin will have many suitors in free agency, but he is not expected to land with the offensive line needy Jets, per sources. Jets like him, but the competition for him will be intense, and there will be many suitors. To which I say, good. Kick rocks, New York. Do I want the Dolphins to sign Jack Conklin? It's a complicated question. You're probably talking about 16, 16 million or so per season is probably the floor of what his contract is as far as annual average salary. That's a pretty plenty, especially when you consider that the uh, the Dolphins traded Laramie Tunsil with the appeal being they didn't want to pay him. But if you if you parlay Tunsil or first round draft pick and Jack Conklin, and paying the same amount of money, you could see how it could easily become an attractive proposition as far as how you want to choose to attack your offensive tackle position. Uh, The the issue with Conklin is he's kind of been up and down. He had a strong season in 2019. His best season before that came in 2016, or 2017, when he was a rookie. 2016, Kyle. He was the top 10 pick, 2016 NFL draft. Started as a rookie, got a lot of help and protection. But the physicality, the ability to reset the line of scrimmage, listen, those are things that the Dolphins don't have. And if you could give Tennessee the chance to run it back and have a mulligan, they would have absolutely exercised their fifth-year option on Jack Conklin because he was good this year. And... um Obviously, with with Schefter reporting 
the suitors that will be in free agency, he's going to be in high demand. He's going to get paid. Would I like to see the Dolphins get him? Sure. Is it going to make or break my offseason if the Dolphins don't get him? No. Does it please me greatly that the New York Jets are going to be on the outside looking in? You bet your ass it does. The other key name in pro scouting is Yannick Ngakwe, who I have been a huge fan of going all the way back to when he was in the pre-draft process. And the domino here that broke this morning, literally minutes after Yannick Ngakwe himself posted on uh, social media that he's informed the Jaguars he's not interested in playing there long-term anymore and he wants a long-term contract and he looks forward to continuing his career elsewhere. Well, Jaguars are going to franchise tag him, per league sources, according to Adam Schefter. This came out at 7.30 this morning. The tag will allow them to try to trade him if that's what they decide or are forced to do. I can tell you right now, based on Ngakwe's experiences in Jacksonville and how that organization handled contract negotiations and when Tom Coughlin was there, the the only hope Jacksonville really had of a, a long-term re- retention of Yannick Ngakwe is, was if... Tom Coughlin being gone was enough to appease what clearly upset him. It doesn't seem like that's going to be the case because Ngakwe's posturing publicly now to, to move on. So I get why Jacksonville is going to kind of box him in, and it would be foolish for them to let him walk for absolutely nothing, especially when you consider what D Ford got on the trade market and what... Uh, Frank Clark got on the trade market. And these were just last year. So Ngakwe is looking at the potential of a, a nine-figure contract. A hundred-plus million is on the table for him if he gets the long-term deal he's looking for. Do I want the Dolphins to do this? The irrational side of me says, yes, absolutely, because you love Yannick Ngakwe, the football player, you love the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins desperately need an upgrade at the pass rusher. And they've got the money to absorb it. So why not? But the tag makes this a very unattractive proposition because now you're giving up picks in addition. Now, if you were to tell me that the Dolphins were going to spend 26 on Yannick Ngakwe, would I be devastated? No. The Dolphins have the money to make it work. And the one thing, as we will talk about a little later in the show, for the Dolphins specifically, is if the reports are true and they're going to go quarterback and then offensive tackle, the running back well gets pretty dry pretty quick. There was not a lot of players at the Combine who aided their cause as edge rushers uh, to stand out, right? It was Caleb Chase on didn't test, and we talked about him on Thursday last week. Chase Young didn't test because he didn't want to compromise his long-term future as a football player by doing track events. and I respect that for Chase Young, especially. Uh, beyond that, A.J. Epinesa ran like 
five one and is probably going to be more of a five tech. Uh, I think you could play him base defensive end, but I'm really concerned with his ability and consistency to to win off the outside shoulder of of offensive tackles at this point because he was stale as an athlete, which I kind of knew because like he he was heavy handed and that that's the appeal with him as well. You know, he's heavy handed and he collapses angles and all that. And the Dolphins will still like him, but 26, I would pass. Um, Yeter Gross Matos from Penn State didn't run. He did some jumps. He wasn't quite as explosive as I was hoping to see, but uh, he seems to be a guy that, that's kind of stale right now with his draft stock anyway. So you start getting into looking through the options, and it's, well, you know, maybe 26 for Yannick Ngakwe is not the worst idea in the world. And this becomes fascinating because then it's the Jacksonville Jaguars who have three first-round picks, and they pick 9, 20, and hypothetically in a, a swap of picks with the Dolphins, 26. It just feel I, I don't I have no gauge on how aggressive Chris Greer is going to be in these situations because he's had experience being aggressive with a, a boss or a, a a a colleague, if you will, in Mike Tannenbaum. When Mike Tannenbaum was here, they were super aggressive. And then the, we we've had the experience this past year of the calculated, callous kind of business like approach. What kind of business decision would this be for the Dolphins? I, I struggle with consistently finding how that fits into the long-term plan because giving up assets and cash for a player, even an amazing pass rush prospect like Yannick Ngakwe, who's like 24, 25 years old, it just kind of flies in the face of what the Dolphins seem to have in mind for what their future and team building philosophies are going to look like. That's not to say it won't change, but I struggle with that. So the news of Ngakwe getting the tag is a little disheartening. We're going to hope to see him on the open market where you don't have to give up the pick for him, but such is life and the, and the dolphins will pivot, move on and, and reassess that situation. If that's someone that they want to choose to attack and we're going to attack the NFL Combine, but first we're going to pause for an opportunity for sponsor identification, and we'll be right back after this brief message. Welcome back, Dolphins fans. Kyle Krabs, Locked On Dolphins, Monday, March 2nd. We're going to talk about defensive backs. We're going to talk about defensive linemen. The weekend that was the NFL Combine... Uh, players who help themselves and players who I could see the Miami Dolphins targeting. Let's go Saturday first. Edge, D-line, linebacker. We'll start with the defensive line. If you asked me, all right, Kyle, edge guys, who stood out, who's going to help themselves, who made the biggest impression? I think the conversation starts with Jabari Zuniga of Florida. He helped himself a lot because he ran 4.64. He had good explosiveness. The question with Jabari Zuniga 
is exactly what you'd expect. He didn't run his shuttles. He didn't run a three crone. He didn't run a short shuttle. And it's because I don't think he's very good in those areas. He is a linear, stiff, straight line athlete. Can the Dolphins use that? Absolutely. Because the Dolphins can put him on the line, cross from offensive tackles, and this kind of joker hybrid linebacker that the Dolphins got, the Van Ginkle, Vince Beagle role, they can put someone outside of him, and then Zaniga hypothetically becomes a gap penetration player to use first step quickness, and that's where he wins. Uh, he fought through some injuries throughout the course of his final season at Florida. Uh, he played in only six games this past year, was lingered with a uh, hindered with a high ankle sprain that kind of lingered all season. Uh, but at 6'3", 265, he's got 33-inch arms, so he's got plenty of length. He ran 4'6", 4 in the 40, jumped 10 feet 7 inches in the broad, which is a solid number, and a vertical of 33, plus 29 bench press reps. So everything from an explosive profile perspective, Jabari Zaniga fits the mold. Uh, I don't think he's a super bendy, drop the inside shoulder and run around the edge of guys. Uh, but he doesn't have to be because I think the Dolphins and their, their hybrid defense and their multiple fronts is going to allow them the opportunity to kind of pivot as they need to, as, as value presents itself. But as you look through the rest of these, I mean, guys like Jonathan Grenard from Florida and Kenny Willekes from Michigan State, Trayvon Hill from Miami, Bradley and Nye from Utah. All these guys that ran, they ran like four eights and four nines. And I didn't think any of those players, Willikis, Trayvon Hill, Anai, none of them are power oriented at all. So now you've got little power. You don't have twitch and burst and, and explosiveness. It's a troublesome combination of course the big one here is AJ Epinesa Epinesa 6'5", 275, 34.5 inch arm so he's long he's heavy anchored and he ran 504 at 275 and he ran a 7-3-4 cone drill which if you're looking for a good time it's like 7 seconds it's the ability to drop those hips, kind of turn tight corners. And you kind of felt this with Epines a little bit when you watched his tape that he was a little bit of an upright player. And I think that's a reasonable observation to make with Epinesa. For the Dolphins specifically, what does his testing do? Does it change the desire to have him on your football team? The answer is no. You, as a Dolphins fan, still want Epines on your football team, but this is an opportunity for you to get a little greedy. You know, Epinesa had been considered potential top 20 talent, been mocked to the Atlanta Falcons at 16 quite a bit, the Dolphins at 18. No, 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 no. These numbers at 275, we're looking maybe 39... If I were to draft him, based on the athletic numbers, I'd consider him hard at 26, 
but there's going to be better football players at other positions available at 26. But if he's there at 39, that becomes the home run spot. And whether you agree or disagree, this is kind of the way that the draft process works as far as if you're going to come in under 280, your expectation as an athlete along the defensive line is not to be so stale and stiff and tight. And that's what Epinesa put on display. So there will be, you know, he was already a scheme-specific player, right? He was already a player who wasn't going to be plug-and-play outside defensive end in every system across the league. He's a tight alignment guy, heavy-handed. You can two-gap. All the narratives of all, like what the Patriots' defenses and what Patriots' disciples want their defenses to look like, the, the Bill O'Briens with J.J. Watt in kind of a hybrid defensive end five-tech role. Trey Flowers in Detroit now. All the players that have done that in New England. That's what Epinesa is. The question now is, okay, you know, how many bullet points are there? And if he gets past the Patriots at 26 or 23, guess what? You've got Miami at 26. You've got Detroit at 34 or 35. Detroit at 35. And then Miami again at 39. So the teams that are going to be looking to potentially acquire him and the teams that can best cater to his skill set, there's one team of those Patriots Disciples teams between Miami at 26 and Miami at 39. I'd play the game. I'd play chicken with it. I'd say, okay, you know, let's let's see if the board falls our way. We're going to take a better player available. We're not going to force a position of need. We're just going to take best player available. We'll talk about linebackers and corners. And my favorite prospect who tested yesterday, after another brief pause for an opportunity for sponsor identification, you're listening to Locked On Dolphins. It's Monday, March 2nd. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back, Dolphins fans, and we are here rounding up the Monday episode of Locked on Dolphins this week, and we are here to talk about defensive backs here in the final session of today's show. DBs tested yesterday, and there were a lot of names in this area that you as a Dolphins fan should know well and be excited about because they can bring a lot of value uh, to your Miami Dolphins. And the name that I want to start with is a name that will be not a foreign name to listeners of Locked On Dolphins from when Travis Wingfield was still here. Antoine Winfield Jr. from Minnesota, 5'9", 203, redshirt sophomore. He's had two season-ending injuries and four college seasons. He ran a 4.45 yesterday, guys. Broad jump over 10 feet, 36 in the vert, 36 inches in the vert. He's explosive. He's more explosive than people thought he was. And boy, is he a smart football player. Obviously, his dad, Antoine Winfield Sr., has been pegged by Brian Flores, his favorite defensive back. There's a lot of dots to connect here. And uh, Winfield Jr., testing what he tested, as long as his medicals come back clean, I think is a home run choice for Miami as far as You move him around. 
You put him in a lot of different situations. He's got the versatility to serve as, I don't want to say the, the Minka role, right? But I think as a nickel, deep safety, half-field safety, blitzer. I don't want him playing on the second level and bumping uglies with, with tight ends on a routine basis. But Winfield Jr. can do a lot of the same things that was tasked of Minka that Minka turned his nose up to when he realized this wasn't going to be a good football team this year. So that put that gold star next to Antoine Winfield Jr. I'm going to go ahead and echo what Travis Wingfield said on that front. If I had to point out another safety, another hybrid defender in the back seven that makes sense for Miami, keep an eye on Jeremy Chin from Southern Illinois. Listen to the measurables on this dude. Mind you, this is an FCS football player, small school player. Six foot three, 221 pounds, 32 inch arms. So he's got good length. Looming, booming presence as a tackler. He ran 4.45. He ran the same speed as a five foot nine, 203 pound Antoine Winfield. Put up 20 reps on the bench. He jumped 41 inches in the vert and 11 feet, 6 inches in the broad jump. If you looked up explosiveness in the dictionary, Jeremy Chin's name is next to it. I know the, the popular name is Kyle Duggar, right? Kyle Duggar from Lenore Ryan is the popular small school freak athlete, hidden gem, potential top 100 pick, and I get it. But I think Jeremy Chin right now is a better football player, and he's bigger and he's just as explosive as Kyle Duggar. 70, 56, I think that should be on the table for someone like Jeremy Chin because of his upside and ceiling, and especially the value that he brings to Miami. Not everybody's going to have a defensive coordinator that can move you around or want to move you around. Brian Flores will want to move you around, and that will give extra value to Jeremy Chin and the Dolphins as a potential pairing. Really excited about his testing. Moving to corners. Uh, I got a slot corner and two outside corners. My slot slash nickel corner, Troy Pride out of Notre Dame. 5'11", 193, 30 and 5'8 inch arms. Think Bobby McCain. Really good three cone. So short area change of direction skills are really good. He's really scrappy and physically ran 4'4 flat. Think Bobby McCain with a little bit more juice. I think Troy Pride Jr., if you're trying to find a valuation range for him, third round makes a lot of sense. 70. And this is what makes the Dolphins offseason so fascinating because I could give you a combination right now that includes a quarterback at five, a trade for Yannick Ngakwe with 26, an offensive tackle at 18, and then you could go AJ, hope for AJ Epinesa at 39. You could get Jeremy Chin at 56, Troy Pied at 70. Like, holy cow. <laughs> now you're talking about putting Ngakwe in that rush linebacker role, standing up outside of AJ Epinesa. They'd still need to find a nose tackle. You sign Michael Pearson free agency. And you got Christian Wilkins. Devon Godshall, 
Jerome Baker on the second level. Jeremy Chin can roll and buzz down. Troy Pride in the slot. Eric Rowe is the guy that covers the tight ends. Do we sign Byron Jones from Dallas Cowboys? Like, and then I could turn around and I could flip the script completely on its head and I could give you a completely different scenario. It's like, hey, I completely fixed the offensive line because I traded up for an offensive tackle that I took Lucas Nyang at 26. And we got uh, Matt Hennessy from Temple, the center at 56, like, and a running back at 70 or, or 39. And there are so many twists and turns that this Dolphins offseason could afford us. I'm thrilled. It's a great year to have 14 draft picks. Two other names for you to know. One, th one that's a household name and one that is not. The one that is not, uh, he played at Auburn. His name is Noah Igbahogany. Say that five times fast. I dare you. He ran 448, 37-inch vert, 10-8 in the broad. He's an explosive player. He's only played defense for two years. Pretty notable to consider. He's got special teams impact as far as a return guy, but he's only played corner for two years, and the ball production is not where you'd like it, but it's because his transitions and ability to uh, get back into the body of receivers when he flips his hips to turn and run isn't super consistent yet, but everything else is there, and he's got the recovery burst to get back into the body and track the football. He's a guy that's probably in conversation as a potential top 50 pick when it's all said and done. And we'll get into the deep dive stuff a little bit later, but I just want to kind of go surface level, make sure we're, we're seeing who some of the winners are from a Miami Dolphins perspective. Last one being C.J. Henderson. 6'1", 204, ran 4'3'9", you heard that right. 37.5 in the vert, and 10'7", in the broad jump. This is, for my money, the best or second best man cover corner in this year's draft. He's physical. He's sticky. He doesn't tackle great. And I think that becomes, if you're going to bring C.J. Henderson into the fold, you'd probably need to make sure that that safety hybrid role is filled pretty sufficiently so that you've got a safety that can roll down and aggressively overlap and fill those spaces. Because Henderson, he's a selective tackler. I wouldn't say he's a terrible tackler, but he's a selective tackler as far as picking and choosing his spots on when he wants to try and drop the boom. If he's closing downhill on you and you don't know that he's coming, he'll light, he'll light you up, lay out. But if you're head up in the gap with him and you're 220-pound running back, He's probably going to try and bite your ankles. So there's some, some pros and cons there, but as far as an athlete who really helped himself and who has great ball skills and never panics and good coverage ability, Henderson's an exciting player, and this is somebody that Daniel Jeremiah pegged as a potential top 15, top 20 selection during Sunday's Combine broadcast. Does he make sense at 18? Probably not. But should you be mad if that's the pick? Probably not. Unless you have a vested interest in somebody else getting the pick there. Listen, we got a lot of ground to cover this week, guys. I'm going to make sure I'm pulling you guys in for fan questions this week. We're going to do a mailbag. Uh, looking forward to dropping that. And uh, 
we got to talk about the quarterback situation. This continues to evolve and, and be fluid. And uh, I wrote something for my full-time employment, which is the draftnetwork.com today, asking whether or not we should be selling our tank for Tua stock. And uh, we're going to talk about that tomorrow on the show. So looking forward to that. So hit subscribe. Come back and see us again tomorrow. Really appreciate you guys carving some time out of your busy Mondays for Locked On Dolphins. I'm Kyle Krabs, your host. And until tomorrow, enjoy your day.